What is going on, everybody? You are back on another edition of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser, and I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, it is draft week, and in true Brett Veach style, he goes out and makes a huge splash move so the Chiefs no longer have a first-round pick. Brett Veach doesn't have time for first-round draft picks. He doesn't care about first-round draft picks. No Brett sorry. Veach is literally... His only draft pick of the first round was a running back, Clyde, last year. So take it what you will, but this dude has no value for the first round, which is hilarious because they got a guy who should have been a first rounder when he came into the draft a few years ago, Orlando Brown Jr. If the last time you heard that guy's name, it was of the current Raiders general manager, Mike Mayock, kind of roasting him for running slow, not being a tremendous athlete at his combine and his pro day, then you need to go put on some film. You need to go check out some of these reviews I've done. He's been in the league three years. He's only 24 years old, and he's already made the Pro Bowl twice. This was a home run of a pick, and the Chiefs pretty much just put themselves in position for the rest of the draft to take the best player available. I I honestly couldn't be more excited about what they did. I think that it was a home run. I think that it was highway robbery, what they got for him, for the level of player he is, for the age that he is, for the fact that he's just going to continue to get better. And now he's in an offense where, you know, he's not running the spread college run game stuff where you're gonna, we're going to be able to showcase him a little bit on that left side. He's going to be coached up really good by Coach Reed and Coach Hack. And I, I just – I think it's it was such a smart move by um, – by Veach and company because you you look at what he is compared to what they could have potentially drafted and had to start at left tackle. It's just there's just such a massive difference between a proven commodity in the NFL and basically a potential lotto ticket at the 31st overall. Yeah, it's it was a crazy trade. I don't know what Baltimore was thinking in that one because that is such a weird trade. You see trades in the NFL not as frequently as other leagues, you know, other sports. You definitely don't see trades between two interconference rivals who have been competing for the one seed for the home field advantage in the playoffs the last two seasons. The Ravens pretty much just shored up the Chiefs' offensive line. It's looking to me like, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. Are they going to go with five new offensive linemen? I'd say yes at this point. I know that there's still a high possibility Mike Rimmers could start. And I also know that. Everyone was freaking out about Lucas Niang's video of him exercising the other day. I, I think his film, what he did in college, will speak for himself when he gets out there and plays in an actual football game. But my goodness, this is it's a Brett Veach moniker. He's gone through and he is completely we they had a problem and he went out and he overfixed it to the point where this offensive line could even look like one of the best in football next year by the end of the season. Okay, a couple things. First of all, don't don't even get me started about the amount of people that went absolutely nuts by watching a slow-mo video of a guy in April doing a random drill saying, like, goodbye. Like, his trainer was basically saying it was great working with him, and, like, he put in the top of the effort, and everybody lost their shit saying, oh, my God, I can't even – we're going to be so bad. Look at this guy. It's like – Guys, it's it's a random training video where he's getting tennis balls thrown at him. You think that's like what he looks like on the field? Like it blew my mind the amount of response that that and panic that that set off. But I, I guess I shouldn't have been shocked with the amount of panic that the Chiefs Kingdom has been having for the fat past few months. And I I guess that's just 
I guess the other thing to that point is I hope everybody on here has been listening for a while because if you if you think about all the podcasts we've done and telling you guys relax, there is a lot of time between now and the first football game that's actually going to be played. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs aren't going to be done making roster moves. Brett Veach is not going to allow this to just be how it is. And then we had Brandon Kylie on. Uh, BK and he said, you know, Veach overcorrects when he when he when there's a problem, he goes out and in a good way, he goes and fixes it. And like you said, what did Brett Veach just do? He went out and he fixed it. Now they have Atlanta Brown on the left side at tackle. They have Joe Thune on the left side at guard. Like that is one of the best left side offensive lines in the entire NFL. Like there's no question about it. It's ridiculous when you think about it because I remember everyone was freaking out. They didn't get up. Trent Williams, but that's just one guy. You know, there are other options out here. They didn't panic and they didn't panic and they didn't go out and overpay like a Russell Okung type of guy or a Villanueva or even like a Riley Reef. Those are guys I'd talked about. I'd theorized maybe they might be in the market for. They didn't do it. They had, they had two options, maybe three. They were either going to sign Trent Williams or they were going to wait till Baltimore absolutely had down to the last they took the Ravens down to the last minute basically it's still a less than a week before the first round of the draft and this deal gets off so major props to Brett Beach on that one if there were any concerns about Brown I think it would just be the transition from the offense he's playing in Oklahoma ran a lot of passing sets they, Oklahoma ran a lot of passing plays with Baker Mayfield there when he was protecting him it's not exactly similar to what the Chiefs do but he does have experience high pass blocking and a high frequency it's just going to be you know I I see him he's right now he's built for that Baltimore run game he's built like a ground and pound kind of guy I think if he lost just a little bit of weight then you know just I think that would help his overall quickness and help him in his vertical pass sets more but my goodness, 24 years old and he's already been to two Pro Bowls. You're telling me this guy doesn't have the potential to be the best tackle in the NFL at some point by the end of his career, especially as he's going to sit here and grow with Patrick Mahomes throughout the course of their careers together? That's And that's the thing, right? You you go, yes, you're disappointed in, in not picking up Trent Williams, right? But then you think about, okay, Trent Williams has already been in the league for a substantial amount of time, has has incurred some injuries, has dealt with cancer, has done all this stuff, and then you get an Orlando Brown who's 24 years old and is still just growing as an athlete and, a, and as a player, and he's only going to get better, right? I, I've, I really truly feel like that. He, he hasn't even fully tapped out his true potential. Um, super exciting. Like I said, I thought it was a, a great trade to begin with, and then you saw the details on it, and I was just laughing. I go, how – how did they let this happen? Like, how did the Ravens let this happen? They, they gave us a second pick, the second rounder back also. Right. It's like they basically, they basically, Chiefs basically traded a mid-second, it seemed like, for Orlando Brown, who's, you know, one of the top 12 tackles in football probably. So, to me, it was a home run. I love it. And it, and it sets the Chiefs up for a pretty interesting um, position in the draft, which is, this week so let's talk a little bit of the draft here um and we'll go through and we'll actually maybe give give our own mocks here for uh the full amount of picks that they have which i believe is six now total if i'm looking at this right so where do you think i guess we'll just start where do you think where do you think they go in the second round they have two picks 58 and 63 
couple of options. Brett Veach could always just blow it all up and trade some trade more picks and get back into the first round. That would be hilarious. I we, we can't ever put that past him because there's always a chance he does the unexpected. There's three positions I'm looking at very closely in this round, though, and it's going to probably be wide receiver, edge, and linebacker. And if you go back, I've talked about this a little bit earlier in the week on uh, just some Twitter comments I made. Brett Veach said in his first press conference of the year, he said he's going to go after, they have to address O-line, defensive line, and linebacker. They went out, offensive line, as we just said, completely overhauled all the new additions, the trades, the signings, all that craziness. Defensive line, they get back, they bring back Taco Charlton, they go out and sign a guy that had no business being released, but was released by the Seahawks, Jerron Reed, and they got him on a dirt cheap prove-it deal. And he could be, I think, based on what they're saying about him, he could be a really high-level player this upcoming season. only position they haven't addressed is linebacker. You know, they brought back Ben Neiman. That is what it is. They're going to be in this position now in the 50s where there are a couple of linebackers that are going to be popping up to me. I would say maybe like Jabril Cox, the Kansas City prospect who went to Raytown South High School, played at North Dakota State, grad transferred to LSU. That's a name that's been coming up a lot to me. That's a name that I have highlighted in our draft guide is a high, high fit, high likelihood player for the Chiefs. But where do you, where do you see them going? I know you're probably wanting them to go after maybe either a, a good wide receiver at this point or maybe even a defensive back. Yeah, you know, what? what's funny is I, I do think that, but I think that you're right on point with linebacker, edge rusher. I think that's I think that's the route. Well, first of all, I'll say I agree with your point. Expect the unexpected, especially with Veach. Like there's hasn't been a draft where he hasn't traded up in yet. So I mean, we could you could be sitting there on uh, on Friday night, and and all of a sudden the Chiefs' name is going to be popping up way earlier in the second round than you anticipated. And I would love that if there's a guy that they want and and that's falling maybe into the early early second rounds, say a Terrace Marshall or something like that at wide receiver from LSU. Go up and get them. Give give your both your seconds and go get them. Right, like load up. Let's go. Um, but I also like the Jabril Cox talk. I think that if he's there, I think that's a great pick. He's athletic. He can run. I think that's what they're looking to do at linebacker. They want to get get more athletic. Obviously, with Willie Gay there, um, you know he he was the kind of the first step, and he's obviously got to get healthy and play better and get on the field. But you know, you pair him up with potentially a Jabril Cox and then and let him learn with an Anthony Hitchens and stuff this year. Now you're talking about a couple of athletic linebackers that can cover in space and, and really uh, get after it in, in pass coverage. So I definitely like that call. And I, I, I honestly, if, if, if Terrace Marshall or even, you know, somebody like that starts to slip, I, I would say I have no issue going up and, and getting them. Even a Diami Brown, who I'm not as high on as some others, um, if he starts to slip a little bit, he's another guy. You know, I, I think that if you could get great value of, even if it's, you know, you're just moving up a few spots that you can go up and get that, that receiver. I still think that they need a little bit of help there. Obviously they have DeMarcus Robinson and, um, Cole Hardman and everybody as the second, but I, I wouldn't mind them looking to get to, to upgrade and add to that wide receiver room. Um, and, and it's interesting too, because of all of the talk that we've heard, this off season of how much they love Byron Pringle and all this stuff. Is that, you know, is that a smoke screen? Cause that seems like a smoke screen. Yeah. That I feel like that could easily be a smoke screen right now. It's weird though. Andy Reed doesn't have a big history of drafting wide receivers. No, he doesn't. It's really odd 
for a guy that likes to throw the ball. But I think it's interesting that you talk about Miami Brown. He's like shot way up this week out of nowhere. I feel like oh, he's on a lot of people. I've we've got like yeah, in our draft year, we've got like a third round grade on him, and he's shot up all the way into like maybe they're saying he's going to be like guy that goes in between like 28 and 38 draft wise now at this point yeah i saw that too that was pretty shocking by me he didn't seem he did not seem like that to me i don't know i thought he was a solid football player but i think that there's a lot of him out there you know what i mean like you don't he didn't seem like to stand out any different from like uh any of the other receivers rondell moores or Dwayne Askridge or any of those guys that are in that ramon uh amon st brown or whatever amon ross st brown um so I, to me, he's just another kind of one of those guys, which, you know, Tylen Wallace, another vertical threat that could play the X receiver. I think he could be an interesting one out of Oklahoma State. But to me, at 58, I think they go, you know, linebacker if they stay there. And I think Jabril Crox, if he's available, he would be there. Um, maybe a Chaz Surratt. But I, I'll say right now, if I'm doing one, I would say Jabril Cox probably at 58. And oh. Brett Veach is a man of his word. He said he was going to do it, so <laughs> yeah. he hasn't done it yet. But right. we're, it's, it's bound to happen now. Exactly right. He's, it's a good thing they're picking this. It's a good thing they might take a linebacker in the second round because if they'd have held on to their pick and taken one in the first round, we'd have had a meltdown bigger than last year. And oh that you can imagine that between everyone in Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah, I, I think that honestly, if the Chiefs wouldn't have walked away. With without getting a tackle, if before you know, if they didn't make this trade, like there would have been a full blown panic attack. Like people have <laughs> lost their minds. They could have overdrafted Stone Forsyth by three rounds, and people would have been fine with it. They'd have been like, but, oh, got their tackle." It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but so sixty three. So sixty three. I'll tell you a guy who I've been becoming more and more enamored with. Um, as I've watched him, and that's Janarius Robinson, the defensive end out of Florida State. He looks like he was built in a factory, so I think that may be why I'm so enamored with him, but he's also got the play to kind of back it up. I don't think he was – I think he was only a four-star recruit, but, man, he he looks the part, uh, for, especially for a Brett Veach type of build. He is long. He is athletic. I think he needs to be a little bit more twitchy. Um, he seems more of like a straight line and I don't, you're not, people are not going to want to hear this comparison, but he almost reminds me of like a Tano Passigno as far as build, like that long athletic, thick, muscular type build, um, straight line athletic needs to be a little bit more twitchy, but I don't think that he has realized his full potential yet. I think that there's a lot more that you could get out of him good against the run. I think he's got enough of a pass rush move right now where if he works on a counter, he could be somebody that could be a pretty good pickup in, in the second round, late second round. Yeah, definitely. And uh, our guys that did the uh, analysis for him, uh, Jordan and Marcus, they were really high on him also. They had him targeted as a guy that we really like to see. Here's an interesting thing, though. You know, they also, there's a, like a clip of edge guys that are all really similar in that kind of range. Peyton Turner's one of them. I've kind of enjoyed his film. I've seen some people ranking him as a first-round pick. I don't know about all of that, but dude would come in and be a solid – I think the dude could come in and be a solid contributor off the bench to start out and then work his way into a position. But I think it's important to remember that the Kansas City Chiefs only have one interior offensive lineman outside of uh, – no, actually, 
I take that back. They have one starting offensive lineman. Joe Tooney is the only starter on the roster as of right now in the IOL that has a contract after next season. That's kind of leading me to think they're going to take another crack at interior offensive line somewhere and continue to build that insurance to make sure they have that insurance for years for Patrick Mahomes. Now, and a few guys that fall into that range are Quinn Miners, that Wisconsin Whitewater guard who looks like he'll be playing center in the NFL. Very good player out of a very good Division three program. Trey Smith out of the University of Tennessee. He compares very closely to me to a guy like Zach Fulton, who was one of Andy Reid's only actual interior offensive line draft picks since he's been here. He kind of fits the size and the mold that Andy likes, and he's a damn good pass-protecting offensive lineman, so he's good at that. And then, you know, I don't know. These NFL scouts sit here and say that Landon Dickerson is just another guy. I don't know if we're watching the same game as these guys. And that kind of also makes you wonder, you know, how much do these execs know? And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're just an armchair GM or whatever like that. I'm like, so I don't think some of these guys watch the games because Landon Dickerson could easily fall into this range for me. If a guy like Dickerson falls into this range, you know, the 63, that's worth taking a crack at. Because if he pans out well and he pans out right, you got your starting center for 10 years for a decade, more than likely. So I'm, I wouldn't be opposed for them going back to the interior offensive line here, even though I do think there are those good edge rushers kind of in this range as well. I'll tell you the, the, that my jaw almost hit the table when I read that, that one scout said that Leonard Dickinson is just just a guy. I was like, he, 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 he's just a guy that dominated the SEC. Like, like what, what are we watching here? Like he's going up against the best competition and just launching dudes left and right. When he watches film, like he just, he's tough, he's physical, he's athletic. He can, I mean, he is like the perfect center. Like, I, I don't know. And to me, it's just crazy that they, they said that. I don't know. I, I, I would, if the only reason I could really see him falling and I saw, I think it was Sheffer that tweeted it out. And then uh, Peter Schrager confirmed it basically was that not only him, I don't know if it was specifically him, but in general teams are having a lot of issues with like getting medicals on players because there was no, um, no combine at Indy. So like, He's somebody that has a medical injury history with, you know, his knee and then he was injured before too, even. So I, I, you know, maybe that's something that teams are worried about with the medicals with him. And if they can't get it clear, like I said, I don't, there's no confirmation that it was him, but just in general, I think that teams are struggling to get medical clearance on a lot of these guys because of there was no combine. So I, you know, if he, if he does slip to 63, I think there's, you have to, right. Because then you're looking yeah. You, you're looking at Dickerson at center, Thune at guard, and, and Orlando Brown at left tackle, and that's those are your three guys, three of your five for the next ten years. You know, hopefully, if you can, you know, continue to sign them all, and they all want to stay there. But like that's that's amazing. Um, so I, I could definitely see that. I, I do like the miners call from from Wisconsin Whitewater Division three guy. He's another athletic guy, so I could definitely take, see him taking some swings. I do think that there's some interesting prospects later along the interior that I could think that could could step in and, and be competitive and compete with, you know, even with Blythe at center. So we, we'll get there. Um, next pick is pick 144. So you look at it that th- this is a guy for me, and we did a draft before that he showed up into, and it's our guy Josh I from Illinois, the receiver. Um, 
I just I can't get away from him. every time he's there. I just I'm so he's a guy. He is just he need he needs to refine his route running and do some things. But man, he is a big, fast, physical presence on the outside who wins who wins contested balls all the time. So I, I would love for them to get somebody like that. He's also just something different that the the Kansas City wide receiver wide receiver room really doesn't have. You know that big bodied guy that big physical presence. So I think he is somebody who, you know, you tap and get him to reach his full potential. He is somebody that could be another really good pick in in the third round. Yeah. I I love the pick of Josh I in the third round or whatever round it is we'd be taking him in. He's got all the gifts to be a tremendous player. And I was actually watching some of his film today. They did a lot of different things with him at Illinois. If he'd have had a better, if he'd have had a little bit better of a quarterback, his career path could be much different. Which, if if you put him on a team like Alabama this past season, there's a chance you know he could be in the conversation for maybe being a first round pick at some point. It's just kind of his circumstances, and he also didn't play a ton of football. He scored a lot of touchdowns. I did the personal evaluation on Josh I. For our draft log, he had something in 18 career games, he scored 12 touchdowns. That's freaking insane. That's absurd. And this just, like, they're like, these these aren't plays they're calling for him. This is just, all right, Josh out-athlete, this guy, and we're going to score here in the red zone. This would be a guy that come in, immediately fill the Sammy Watkins role he'd had, and really be, you know, that solid possession receiver that has big play potential when they need it. He'd be the guy that, you know, other teams just couldn't cover. And I, it, you know, I know they're high on Byron Pringle, allegedly. I know they brought back T-Rob, and they have all these high hopes for Hardman. But really, the only guy out of that group I think could succeed is Hardman. And when I say succeed, I mean end up becoming a guy that can play close to every down. Josh I has that potential to be an every down wide receiver, an every day kind of guy. It'd be a tremendous pickup there if they were able to get him go get him there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I said the third round. I meant the fourth round with pick one forty four. Um, let me ask you about a guy. You were talking the interior offensive line, and a guy that seems to be around this range is Drew, Drew Dahlman, the the center from Stanford. Um, he's somebody that I've kind of kind of looked at. He's a little bit undersized. I think he was listed at like six three, like close to two ninety, so a little bit smaller. Um, you know, I think he's somebody that he, he needs to put on a, maybe a little bit of weight, but would be good in the chief scheme because he's athletic. He's pretty smart. He's somebody that has played center. And, you know, Stanford O-line generally has a pretty good history of pumping out some pretty decent offensive football players on the, on the offensive line. Um, you got any thoughts on him? I don't because I don't think he's a great athlete. I think he's kind of he's good. And I think he kind of just gets the job done for the most part. But he's an interesting guy to me in, in the fourth, you know, late fourth yeah. round. Yeah, he, he definitely plays tough. He definitely plays smart. I have a seventh, sixth, and seventh round grade on him, if I recall correctly off the top of my head. A lot of that is to do he is undersized for the position. I He does the things well that they require you to do. And Stanford's offense, you know, he's a pretty good back blocker. I think that there's – he, he hasn't really have you know, he's had some experience going against. There's some good defensive tackles he'd have had to go against at USC, at UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. But he hasn't had to play like that big, massive nose tackle that you might see in an NFL game. He hasn't had to go against like 
you know, a guy like Chris Jones or even like a Derek Naughty type of guy. And he really, I think in the games I've watched him go against like a head up three, four, he struggles to get movement. Now that's not the end of the world. I think he, you know, him being a little smaller, I think helps him in pass protection on the inside because he can move his feet a little bit quicker, even if he does give up a little bit of length and reach to those defensive tackles. But be an interesting pick. I think fourth round with for him would be an overdraft, though. Um, guy I'd take a look at maybe in the fourth round for the interior offensive line might be like Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green, he he impressed me a lot. I have like a fifth round grade on him if I'm recalling correctly on that. But he, he's got a lot of versatility. He can play guard or center in there. I kind of wish the Chiefs were in the need for a defensive tackle, though, because there's some guys that could be in this range that are really pretty talented players. I'm thinking like uh, maybe Davion Nixon from Iowa. He's a guy that I've seen mocked to this round a lot. Uh, USC has a couple of talented guys. Washington has a guy whose name I always forget and can't pronounce, but he can play inside. He really does a pretty good job. So. That's going to be definitely something to keep an eye on. Oh, yeah, and Bobby Brown the third out of Texas A&M, he reminds me a lot of a guy that Spags would want in his system. But I don't think they're going to be in the market for a defensive tackle at this point. No, I think with the signing of Jaron Reed, they might be be out on defensive tackle and be more looking towards edge, even though they did mention Chris Jones is going to be playing some more edge. So that's, I thought that was pretty interesting. So maybe they will look to be to be inter- interior more if they try to kick him out. Um, pick one seventy five. I'm looking at corner. If I, you know, if if we're looking at that, if we go, you know, as let's say I went Jabril Cox at fifty eight, Janarius Robinson at sixty three, Josh I at one forty four, at one seventy five. I'm looking at a guy like Shakir Brown out of Michigan State. Um, Pretty good size, pretty good length, six foot, almost six foot one, about 190. Uh, played a lot of press, man. Pretty good in that. I think he has some scheme versatility where he should be able to be able to play in the slot or on the outside if they need him to. Right. I, I I think Michigan State is a pretty good football team. They've come from you know a high highly competitive division, and he competed right. I I you know he's no Greg Newsom who I'm in love with, and if they had a chance to go up and get him in the first round, I would love them to. But I, I think Brown is somebody that could add some good, solid depth to uh, to to the secondary. I'm I'm trying to pull up his count or his like pro day numbers and stuff. But any thoughts on on Brown or who they might look at at this pick? They're going secondary, and Bryce Thompson is still there. I'd take a look at him in there because he's a guy. He has all the physical intangibles of being a guy that the Chiefs would really like to go after. At least in my opinion. On that one, and I think you know he's kind of a disruptive player. He reminds me a little bit of loosely say he reminds me a little bit of Bashad Breland. So he be he could come in and be a nice depth guy, special teams guy. Maybe if they don't go linebacker, they might pick up like Garrett Wallow. And you know, there's there's going to be a lot of talented guys that don't get drafted. Though I think that's the big thing to remember with the Chiefs is even even just because these are the guys they're taking, you know. A guy that gets drafted could get cut, and they could find a guy who doesn't get drafted, and they could easily bring him in, and he could come in and be like, you know, like Tershawn Wharton, just kind of out of nowhere. That's going to be the fun stuff. That's where, you know, that's where Brett Beach and those guys make their money at, though, is in that. But if they do go secondary, I'd be a Bryce Thompson guy there. Yeah, I think I think that's a good call on, on Thompson. He's a little bit more athletic, I think, than Brown. Um 
and somebody that the, that the Chiefs would probably like more, like, uh, athletically. Pick 181, so they got another pick right after that. Um, guy I like in this range is Drake Jackson, again, along the interior offensive line. I think he can play guard or center. So I, I think that would be an interesting pick. Like I said, I thought I think there are some guys in the, in the interior uh, right, right around now where they could potentially end up being starters in the NFL, and he's one of them. Yeah, um, I like Drake Jackson. He's played a lot of football at Kentucky. Obviously playing against the SEC schedule, that's a no joke. It's a meat grinder schedule. Um, two guys I like both played at the same college, University of Pittsburgh, are Jimmy Morrissey, their center, and their left guard, Bryce Hargrave. Um, I think both of them would be better off playing center in the NFL. I think Hargrave is a little undersized to play guard, but I think if he could learn how to snap, he's got a nasty streak. He's got a pretty good base. He's got decent balance. And then Jimmy Morrissey, he, uh, I think he was the Burlesworth Award winner, which for those that don't know, that's the award for the best – He, I mean, he started his career as a walk-on. That's the award for the best walk-on player in the country who – I mean, eventually he earned scholarship money, but he came in there really underrated, and he was like a four-year starter for them. So that's crazy impressive, especially considering how big, how big of a program. You know, it's a big-time D1 Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh program. That's big time. I think he has a lot of intangibles that even make him very attractive to the Chiefs. I think he's very similar to Austin Ryder in a lot of ways. So you can take that for what it is. But at the end of the day, his two biggest strengths are he's pretty good athletically. He's mobile when it comes to like blocking in the screen game. And he plays hard and he's pretty good in pass protection. And he's just been a leader for them. You know, he's been a captain a long time for them. He's been a really highly touted guy. It's just like those, they say the physical limitations are what are holding him back from, you know, maybe being a higher draft. So that's a guy who could, I think they could definitely be targeting there. I like it. I like it. Um, Next pick is their last pick in the draft. It's pick 207. So I think this is a spot where it could be really interesting for them, you know, depending on where, um, they go, you know, with the with the previous rounds, and it's interesting because Veach he was always somebody I think that, you know, we saw him last year. He he ended up trading back into the seventh round to make sure that he got Bo Peep Keys. So he'll target some of these guys, and they've done such a good job with their undrafted free agents and their late round picks. That, I mean, I know a lot. Of, they they're still considered dart throws, but I I feel like he does. The chief scouting just does such a good job with these later round guys that I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of these guys stick on the roster or, you know, some of their undrafted free agent guys stick, you know, do you think Turk Wharton last year? I mean, what a, what a freaking gem he is. He has been, but pick 207, some interesting guys is Simi Fioco, the receiver out of Stanford, big dude, vertical threat, hasn't played a ton of football, but like great ball skills, tracks it, vertical threat very very interesting pick there Garrett Hollow who uh, Wallow excuse me that we talked about a little bit um in the previous podcast a, a linebacker out of TCU who can you know former safety can cover in space pretty physical and then I know I don't know if anybody's going to want to hear this but a running back that I actually like is Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State who is a big physical runner and I tell you he reminds me of Kareem Hunt so much when I watch him play. I think that would be a really interesting combination if you had, you know, Jefferson, Clyde, and then 
Daryl Williams in the backfield for those three guys. I think because I think that Jefferson is just he's bigger. He's like a you know he's a bigger physical, more physical one cut type type guy. And then you have Clyde as the other guy. But I I, I feel like draft Twitter would just melt after. Kansas City drafted CEH in the first round last year if they spent more draft capital on a running back. You know what would make it melt even more than if we drafted a running back? If they bring in another Neiman. Because <laughs> yes. uh, Nick Neiman, he is on the board whether you guys like it or not. I think he almost has to be. That's such a Kansas City cheat. That's such a that's a Midwest thing, though. That's a, such an Iowa thing, like a Missouri Iowa thing would be like, you know, they'd be asking Ben. They're like, hey, tell Nick we're going to draft him. We're going to have two brothers on the team. The Neemans are football royalty in the state of Iowa, by the way. If I know all of us down here, a little south of that, like the badmouth uh, old Ben on game day, but those guys are treated like royalty up there. I don't think it's outside of the possibility for them to go bring in Nick Neeman which is kind of weird because he's almost the exact opposite as a player as as his brother, you know, whereas Ben is kind of slow and stagnant. Nick actually is not a good athlete. He's a phenomenal athlete for no reason in particular. It could be something they go after. I think it'll all depend on whether they're comfortable with the linebackers they currently have. Cause you got to remember, they also still have hitch. They got Willie Gay. And then if they draft someone in the second, the high second round, you know, I think they're going to be expecting that second rounder to come in and play. It's not going to be like a Willie Gay situation last year. You know, they're going to get someone who's played a lot of football and get them in. And then a couple of other guys who I think interest me in that little clip, you know, um, the uh, that Rico Busey who you mentioned the other week, I had a chance to watch him just a little bit. I kind of like him. Um, Naquan Jones, a defensive tackle from the University of Michigan State, that would just be a fit pick just because he could succeed on the Chiefs. Don't really know if they'd have a spot for him. And then just kind of scrolling through, looking at some more lift, lists of guys here. Um, there was someone on here. Just one second. I'm looking at on here. It was Nick Eubanks, the tight end, and then Trey McKitty, the tight end from Georgia. Eubanks, tight end from Michigan. They haven't really – I mean, they they got Blake Bell in, and apparently one of our practice squad tight ends or whatever is a big Bitcoin guy. If you saw that today, he's no. getting paid. Hold on. Let me look that up because that's interesting. Well, I think it was – Trevor Lawrence, do you see that? Trevor Lawrence's entire signing bonus is in crypto. Really? Yeah. His entire signing bonus, he got it in crypto. That's hilarious. I don't know anything about crypto, but I got drunk the other week and bought a bunch of Dogecoin. And then I woke up two weeks later and it was really ridiculously high for being a meme. So I thought that was funny. And now I'm, you're telling me that the first overall pick in the NFL draft is going to be getting paid in meme money? He, his entire thing is, is crypto. So. <laughs> I I I have have do like I own stock in Doge, I own stock in uh, Bitcoin and stuff like that. I am by no means an expert an expert or anything like that, but I have I have dabbled in the uh, the whole crypto stuff, but not to the point of that, which I think is pretty wild and hilarious. But yeah, I could definitely see Kansas City looking at a tight end. We're still kind of looking for that that tight end two guy who can be not. <laughs> 
it's like I feel like it's either one or the other that they, they've like Blake Bell seems to be like only a blocker. Demetrius Terrace was only a pass catcher who could only catch, you know, some of the time. So it would be nice to be able to get like a kind of a complete, complete guy that isn't like completely awful. Zach, Zach Davidson. Yeah, there you go. I think I I did my little interview with him for my other one. I think I've helped maybe put him out there a little bit for the rest of Chiefs Kingdoms. Dude's a freaking unicorn. I uh, my player comparison for him is like a Mike Gesecki. Dude came into college as a punter and is left college as being a pass catching tight end who is going to get drafted. Would love to see him, but I don't. I think at the end of the draft though, I don't think Davidson will be there. But I think like a Eubanks or a Trey McKinney, those would be two pretty good value picks in that situation. They're both guys that can catch the ball a little bit. Eubanks is more balanced of a player. Eubanks. I'd compare you, but it's kind of a weird comparison because they don't play the same position, but Eubanks is similar tendencies to Mike Dana. I'm not just saying that because they both went to Michigan, but they both are like guys that played in a pro-ready system. They're going to be ready to play guys. Um, Harbaugh, you know, he can – with Harbaugh, obviously you have to be able to run block. Just a few injury history in, history injury with him. Trey McKitty's pretty good tied in. I think he's had a little bit of that injury bug also, though. He'd be a guy that I think would be able to come in and actually eventually take over his tight end two and become a good pass catcher. He's got good balance in his game. So while it's going to be fun watching a few times this year when Blake Bell and Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney are just creating a wall for Clyde Edwards-Alaire to run about, let's not lose track of the main attraction. We can't lose sight of what we're going for here, and they need to find people that can catch the ball at a very high rate. That's facts. That is facts. Um, I guess in closing, we got draft week here. What what do you what do you expect to happen? What are your kind of your thoughts on on the draft for Kansas City and kind of where where do you leave it for Chiefs Kingdom heading into this week? Dude, I am so pumped up for the draft. I'm so pumped up to sit here and watch Roger Goodell talk to us for three hours on Thursday night, maybe longer. I'm pumped up for the weekend to sit around and waste a Saturday doing Saturday doing absolutely nothing except for watching people talk about guys who might not even make it to the NFL. The draft is crucially important for teams. Brett Veach doesn't seem to care about the draft, though, so it's going to be a chill Thursday night for me. You know, just going to be low-key. I watched the draft with a few friends. I'm going to be looking forward to seeing, you know, where some of these guys I've been evaluating for our draft log go, though. I'm going to see if I was able to hit on any of them, even though the draft log, the highest percentage of players are in the offensive tackle range because I was pretty much hedging on the Chiefs making a move to get one of them. And then Brett Veach crushed that notion and got a proven, a proven young veteran. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm – you know what's going to be interesting to me night one? What the hell is going on in San Francisco right now? What is going on with them? They, what's going I don't know, man. If, if Mac Jones goes three overall, that would be wild. Kyle, but, can you see Kyle Shanahan's quotes today? Yeah, he said, I can't guarantee anyone will be alive on Sunday. <laughs> what is He's the freaking drama king. He's the drama. He's just like his dad. He's the big drama king of the NFL. He's uh, he's saying stuff. Yeah, we're happy with five quarterbacks at three. It's like what? And then he's like, Yeah, I'm not. Can't even guarantee anyone would be alive on Sunday. I was like, What are you talking about right now? Is this just his lat? 
if he's trying to confuse, he's trying to confuse Urban Meyer to not taking Trevor Lawrence. Maybe <laughs> I don't. I think he's trying to confuse everybody, and it's working. Uh, no, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm I'm pumped for it. I love the draft. It's always a uh, it's always an event, and the NFL is turning it into a, a massive event, a three day event, because they just want to get in front of your face as much as possible. And I love it because I'll sit there and I'll eat it all up as much as I can. But you remember last year? It was like the only freaking thing. The only sport of any variety going on. I say sport very loosely, right. but I was looking forward to it more a lot last year because we're sitting here in the middle of a lockdown and a pandemic, yeah. and everyone's at home not doing anything. So that was a really, really nice time last year. This yeah. year, I think things are already much better. COVID's starting to go away a little bit across the country. People are getting vaccinated every day. And you know what? It's going to be a great day for whoever the Kansas City Chiefs pick. But as we know, second round, third round, fourth round, that's where Veach makes his money at. So first rounders are overrated anyway. You don't need first round picks when you just go draft proven proven starters in the NFL. <laughs> and Veach is doing that in, the, in like every year, it feels like. So I'm for it. I'm for it. Yeah, I guess my thought is just uh, enjoy it. Have fun. I think, I think the Kansas City Chiefs, where everybody was panicking before, the panic should be – um, ceasing to exist at this point because they're once again putting together a roster that should be competing for a world championship, and that is exciting. I mean, obviously, you know, it's April, it's early, let's not get out of ourselves. But man, you got one five, and now you got a couple, couple dudes protecting them. I, I'm that's exciting to me, it's incredibly exciting all across the board, and there's going to be guys that. No one's even heard of that are going to make giant impacts on rosters somewhere. Um, you know where the best way to learn about all these players at, though, is through the Arrowhead Live 2021 draft scouting log, which we released, as you can kind of tell from my pantry, we released in the middle of a complete panic on the Internet because the Chiefs once again broke the NFL salary cap mode on Madden. And Brett Veach just did a series of things that he's we should have come to expect at this point. But yeah, you guys should check that out. We got over, it's over 100, it's 144 pages total. We have over 200 prospects in there. The Chiefs are drafting someone in that book, guys. They're going after someone in there. And you know what's going to, you know, I mean, you can use it for a lot of things, though. If you're a fantasy guy, I'm not really a fantasy guy, fantasy football guy, but if you're a fantasy football guy and you need some help, you know, rounding out your roster on the free agency wires you know, for the early weeks in the season, you know, this is going to have a lot of rookies. There's going to be some talented rookie running backs you've never heard of before. There's going to be some talented rookie wide receivers that come on. It's going to be, I mean, yeah, we worked our we worked our hardest for it. Right now, it's $5. I'm probably going to leave it on $5 for a couple of days. Might run another sale around draft time, but you guys should definitely check it out. It's $5. It's, it's cheap. And we put in a lot of sweat. We put in a lot of work into getting it out to you guys. So I'd appreciate it if you guys would give that a look because I post a lot of free content on the internet all the time. I know a lot of people go out here and like to see it. So, you know, throw us a little bone. Give us, We got a little give and take here. Absolutely. And you can find it at CJ Scoobs. He's tweeted it out a million times. I have retweeted his tweets. I have tweeted it out myself. Go find it. Go buy it. It's five dollars. You've spent we're, you're spending your five dollars on worse things. I'm sure. I know I have. Um, but yeah, guys, draft week. Love it. 
We appreciate everybody being here. Be on the lookout for all of our stuff on Twitter, um, over at Arrowhead Live, articles, all that good stuff. We'll have reactions to the draft and all that fun stuff. I'll have a final Chiefs mock out um, probably either Wednesday or Thursday the morning of where I'm going to put my official guesses out, and that's what they are. They're just guesses because, (laughs) let's be honest, eh, this thing is pretty hard to predict. But um, I think that uh, Veach and company will get it done like we've seen so far. So, Caleb, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? I think it's funny. I, I I'm actually writing the article for the for the site this week that says Arrowhead Live Final Mock Draft Predictions. So let me know if you want to get with that. We might collaborate some something up. It, it's going to be funny watching the internet melt down when they draft Nick Neiman. So <laughs> it will be. Oh, that'll be my that'll be my. Greatest. You guys, you <laughs> guys that are listening to this. No, there's another guy that. Writes or does some work for us, uh, does some work with us at Arrowhead Live. He's not the biggest fan of Mr. Neiman, to say the least. If they let Jordan out of Twitter jail, I don't know what was up with all that. <laughs> I don't know either. Oh, man. Yeah, you guys find me on Twitter, as always, at CJ Scoobs. I just got my Orlando Brown Jr. article all written up. It's all polished up today for you guys. It's my first article in a few weeks because I've spent the last three weeks pulling my hair out trying to get this draft guide done. But damn it, it's done. Go check it out. It's only $5. I'm going to have more mock draft. I'll be posting film clips daily probably here for the next few days or so while we're getting ready. And then um, be on the lookout Friday at some point or Thursday or whatever the hell the Chiefs will have finally drafted a player. I'll probably have a prospect review out on them also. So definitely take a look at that, guys. But I appreciate it. Yeah, man, good stuff. Um, great work with all the draft log stuff. Just want to say appreciate all the hard work. I know a lot of people put a lot of effort in, but you you especially did getting it all put together. So good work on that. So everybody go help us out, support us, support what we're doing over at Arrowhead Live. Like we said, go buy it. Um, find me on Twitter at jdiz1617. I will be the one spitting hot fire when the Chiefs trade for Julio Jones on <laughs> draft night. <laughs> if they do that, Shut it down. It's over. <laughs> exactly. Shut For it. the people that say, oh, it wouldn't be worth it to go get Julio. Are you kidding me? That would literally firebomb the rest. That'd be the first team to ever go 17-0. And I want to say, just all the people who say it's not possible realize that his cap hit would be less than Sammy Watkins' cap hit was. Julio Jones for less money than Sammy Watkins. Let that – Sit and marinate in your brain for a minute and then realize, holy crap, let's go do it. Yes. Is it worth trading next year's first round pick and both of our second rounders this year to win the Super Bowl again this season and then go back to it again next season? Hell yes, brother. It is. Hell yes. It is. And I don't even think that they would have to do it, like give up that much because the Falcons are in such cap hell right now because they're just bad at what they do. They're not Brett Beach that they could try, probably steal him. So, like, go get him. Like, I'm about it. Go get him. Put Julio and Kelsey and Hill and Clyde and Orlando Brown and Thune all out there and watch 1-5 spin it all over the field, and it would just be magic. And I would, I'm would, i here for it. But that's my closing thought. Go get Julio, Casey. Go get him, Beach. Watch the NFL melt. Burn it down. Burn, burn it down, baby. All right. We appreciate everybody. We're out.